being in a good mood is really great. And most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words, like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, euphersune, or agaliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness, and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources of joy. On page one of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, when people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. 
This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about. Hey, thanks for watching this word study video by The Bible Project. We make lots of other videos and they're all about showing how the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. You can go to our website, thebibleproject.com, see what we're working on, and even jump in to pitch in a few bucks to the next one. Thanks for being a part of this with us. Thanks, you guys. About eight weeks ago, it started to become very noticeable. The days were getting shorter and the nights were getting longer and cooler. The season of fall was in full swing, and I was loving the cool mornings with my coffee and scripture, and my garden was still beautifully green. But something happened. My trees began to lose their vibrant green colors. They gave way to yellows and reds and browns. Though extremely beautiful in their own right, the change in color marks the coming of winter. It marks the coming of long, cold, and dark nights. My grapes, figs, persimmons, they've all lost just about every leaf, and the rest of my fruit trees will soon follow. Soon my backyard and the city will be full of trees that look barren and dead. What a way to start off a talk on joy, right? The desolate, cold, dark winter, that's not very festive. But that's not unlike the Advent or the inbreaking of God himself into our broken humanity. As we heard earlier, joy as described in the scriptures was not only about cheerful circumstances, though cheerful circumstances are delightful. I'm quite the fan of them myself. Our scriptures, however, describe joy as a gift, regardless of circumstances or season of life that we're in, whether delightful or desolate, whether painful or enjoyable, this expectant joy, the kind of joy that turns mourning into dancing, it's difficult to step into because it's experienced from positions of agony and uncertainty, not gladness and surety. Take Mary, for instance. We get the benefit of seeing the amazing life of Jesus from an overhead perspective, but Mary, Mary is in it. When this expectant joy comes to her, it puts her reputation on the line. It puts her very life on the line. There's so much agony and uncertainty from the get-go, from seeking political asylum in Egypt to hearing of the excruciating news that all of the mothers and fathers of Bethlehem have had their baby boys assassinated by a jealous and ruthless leader looking for their son. Yet Mary's response to fear and uncircumcircumstances at the outset was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She abides in God who says he will overshadow her. Her joy comes from abiding. Jesus came into a world that was desperate for hope, love, joy, and peace. And we tend to sanitize history and think it better than it really was. So let's take a stroll through the times when Jesus was stepping into humanity. Racial tension, power struggles and assassinations, 
militaristic nationalism, political corruption and oppression of marginalized people, revolts and violent protests, hedonism, massive natural disasters, war. Does any of this sound familiar? This is the world which prophets prophesied of the one to come, Emmanuel, God himself with us. This is the world in which angels proclaim, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, great joy that will be for all of the people. Circumstances will always shift. Things can and will be difficult, sorrowful and painful. And they can and will also be cheerful, enjoyable, happy and delightful. Every season carries with it certain gifts. Sometimes they're on beautiful display for the world to wonder at, but sometimes they're shrouded in secrecy, in hidden places, waiting for the right time to break. When my fruit trees lose their leaves and go bare and dormant, it's, it's actually a process that moves the tree towards maturity and fruitfulness, not death. The beauty and the joy of spring will come, but not until the deep work of winter is done. If you look close at these dormant trees, underneath the dying leaves, you will find tiny nodes, small buds that tell of the coming spring, buds that will endure the winter only as they abide in the vine or the tree. I'd like to share with you two entries from my journal that I wrote a few years ago. In 2017, I, I started to fall into a pit. I didn't understand it, but there was a sadness, a, a heaviness that I just I couldn't shake. And I was moving into what would be two years of a dark night. What I didn't know going into my dark night was that it was for my good, that it would actually increase my capacity for joyful intimacy if I would only abide in Jesus. One of the scriptures I was pondering was Psalm 30, 11. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. This was my response to that. Oh, to be clothed in gladness again, to have joy overflowing. I'd like to experience this again, but I know that it is in our sorrow that God makes himself known. To walk through the valley in peace while surrounded by shadows of death, it is in those times where we really need the peace, hope, and joy in the Lord. Nine months later, I wrote this. Joy is returning. Hope is returning. It's been two years of a dark night and I can now feel the morning sun on my face and see the rays of golden light beginning to color the blue sky again. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come as some sort of fix-it Felix character swinging a magic hammer or some wand to fix our problems so we can live a pain-free life. Our messiness is an opportunity for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, to come into our real, broken, and uncertain circumstances 
and mature us, to bring us into joyful intimacy with him, regardless of what season our soul is in. It would be easy to write off this year as a trash year, bury ourselves in distracting behaviors, but that would shortcut the work that God wants to do in you and me. Instead, let's do the deeper work of joy. Abide in Christ as you meditate on scripture. Abide in Christ in prayer as you walk and run through the park or on the river walk. Abide in Christ as you rest easy, sipping your warm cup of coffee in the cool morning air. Abide in Christ as you share an enjoyable, socially distanced meal and movie on the patio of friends. Abide in Christ as you allow yourself to become vulnerable to the people of your gospel community or your micro-gathering. Joy is there to be had. As we remain in Him, as we abide in Him, the spring will come and joy will return. And when it does, we will have an intimacy with Christ and a maturity that we otherwise would have missed. Don't despise the season you're in. Abide with God in it. Are you cheerful? We rejoice with you. Are you in a season of desolation? We mourn with you, but we don't shortcut the reorienting work of God within it. Abide in Christ and the joy will come. Let's close in prayer. God, Emmanuel, you are with us. You are with us in cheer and you are with us in desperation. You are with us when life is enjoyable and when life is terrible. God, would you bring us into submission to you? Would you remind us that when we come across desolate, despairing situations, to abide in you. In your name, amen.